0: Good morning, everybody. As we're all filing in, I just want to say my name is Vince. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. Glad you are here on this Pentecost Sunday. By the way, happy Pentecost Sunday, for those of you that didn't know. I'm sure most of you came prepared, but in case you didn't, happy Pentecost Sunday. Yeah. I'm sure um, some of you might be like, What the heck is a Pentecost? Uh, For me, I think every time I heard the word Pentecost, I grew up in a group within the church called Pentecostals. And so when I heard this word, you know, Pentecostals kind of marked by passionate preaching and gospel choirs and altar calls and sweat and tears and shouting and dancing. That's how I grew up. And so when I would hear the word Pentecost, I was like, oh, that's about us. That's about our denomination right? Um, so maybe that's what you think today. Um, or maybe for you, as you hear the word Pentecost, it's, it's not really about a denomination. Maybe it's more about commemoration, because uh, Pentecost is widely held um, as the birth of the church. And so maybe for you, this is more like, you know, just a birthday party. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Global Church. Right, and maybe, maybe that's all it is. I don't know. I think um, one of the things, though, that I've encountered as I talk to people this week about Pentecost Sunday is that there's a lot of people all over the city that have no idea what Pentecost Sunday is actually about or, or what's going on with it. And so I just I just want to start off by saying there's a depth of what's happening on Pentecost Sunday in the book of Acts in the second chapter um, that, that is amazing. Pentecost is about a lot more than most of us realize. Pentecost is, is something that if we miss it, we could completely miss out on the new thing that God is at work doing through his people in the earth and, and what it means for our life. And sadly, this story doesn't really seem to affect many people because they miss the significance of what's really happening here, and therefore they miss the significance Of God's calling on their life and and what it means to be the church. So today we're going to take a journey back there and we're going to look 2,000 years ago um, to three movements that happened in the book of Acts chapter 2. There's a new grace, there's a new uh, mission, and there's a new people. And in order to really understand those, we're also going to look at three reversals that God is at work doing. And in order to remember those, there's a tree, a tower, and a mountain. A tree, a tower, and a mountain. And so we're going to be journeying all over the story of God today. It's going to be a messy sermon. So hold on to your, hold on to your uh, shorts. Can I say that? Yeah. Um, hats. Hold hats. Thank you. Hold on. Hold on to something. Um. Yeah. Yeah, if most of my sermons were more of a a waltz and orderly, this is going to be like a hip-hop dance, so get ready. Um, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Turn there with me. If you have a Bible, um, you can turn there with me. I'm going to be in the NIV today. We'll have it up on the screen. There's also Bibles down here. And if you don't have a Bible, feel free to take one of those. Feel free to keep it. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Like I, I know that that can just be like a catchphrase. In Christianity, in our Christianese, we can kind of lose the significance of what that means. Just think about that. Humans filled with the very Holy Spirit of God. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us today. There are people in this place right now who having come through all the events of the Christian calendar and just the busyness of the school year and getting to the end toward graduations and all the things that happen this time of year, Pentecost can just be exhausting. Thank you that this is not a good news message about all the stuff we can do and have to do. Thank you that this is a good news message about what you've done for us and about the fact that you are at work filling our lives and equipping us for what you've called us to do. I pray that 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 would be good news for our our weary hearts today, that you would fill us up with, with energy and power to do the work you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. And so briefly, the context here, Jesus Christ showed up on the scene, preaching, healing, delivering, doing amazing things. He's murdered for it, right? Three days later, he rises again. We just celebrated that through Holy Week, through Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And then he appears to hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. They see him alive. They touch the scars in his hands, and then he gives them a commission. He says, I want you to go into the whole world and fill this world with disciples who bear my name. And bear a resemblance to my father. Fill the world with the glory of God through God's people on mission. And they're they're ready. Yeah, let's do it. They're ready for it. And he says, but wait. Yeah, but we, you know, you trained us three and a half years. You taught us everything. We're ready to go. No, no, no. I want you to wait. Go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which I will send to you. You'll receive power from on high, he says. So that's where we find them in the upper room 50 days after the crucifixion pentecost means 50 that's the significance there upper room waiting for the promise of the holy spirit we tracking but in order to understand the significance of that you've got to you've got to see the significance of that through kind of the lens of the fact that like then being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just a catchphrase. It's something entirely new that God hasn't done since the dawn of time. When you rewind this story all the way back to the beginning, you see that God comes, shows up on the scene, gets his hands dirty, forms man out of the dust, and breathes into him. Mouth to mouth resuscitation. And man becomes a living soul, right? The pneuma, the, the spirit, the breath of God the breath of life in man. And God gives him a mission. You guys remember that in Genesis what's he say? I want you to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And God gives him uh, another human. All the guys said thank you Jesus. Whew, yeah. Yeah, it's not good that man's alone. I'll provide someone for him. And then you know what I love is is that he saves this is what my mentor always used to say, you know, Creation just gets pro- progressively better, and the last thing he creates is a woman. So he the best for last, guys. All right. My wife's not even here today. <laughs> she listens to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And God gives him a covenant. You know, they're going to be His people. But He says, "Look at of all the trees in the garden, freely eat." All of them, even the tree of life, just this one tree, don't touch it, right? And what do we see them do? I mean, they, they, they biff it big time. They've got this perfect connection with God, with one another, and this beautiful mission in the world. And it's all broken in a moment because they listen to a lie. They stop trusting God. And all of a sudden, their relationship with God is severed. And the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And they're cut off from the source of life separated from God, separated from one another, separated from their mission in the world. Are we tracking? In fact, what's the first thing they do? They hide, cover up in shame, isolated from one another, from God. Sin separates, sin isolates, sin divides. That's what happens. It's broken. If you look at the world around us, like, you see, there's ways in which we've all experienced that kind of division, that separation, isn't there? divided from one another, divided from God, divided from our mission, living for all these other missions in the world. And so when you look at the news and when you look at the world around us, every crime, every war, every disease, every shooting, every bit of guilt and shame and fear that divide us, everything, every broken part of our world inside and out goes back to this moment, death and separation from God. What's the good news? There's good news. Because almost immediately God shows up on the scene pursuing them, right? I love this because if you just kind of fast forward through the story, which I'm going to do briefly, you see that not only does he show up in that moment, but just a few, few pages to the right, he shows up and he calls a guy named Abram and he gives him a covenant and he gives him a mission in the world, right? And then he says, You're gonna, your kids are going to be like the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky and It's true. They multiply and they start to replenish. And and then a guy named Moses shows up and he helps set them free from slavery in Egypt, right? And God God just keeps getting closer, right? God gives them a covenant, God gives them a law. And then in the middle of the camp, as they're wandering through the wilderness, what's in the middle of the camp with all the tribes camped around it? You guys know? Tabernacle. Yeah, there's a tabernacle right in the middle. And what's in the tabernacle? presence of God. God's getting closer. He's not just somewhere out there. He's not just walking with a dude. Now he's in the middle of the camp. And he just keeps getting closer. You just keep fast-forwarding. We, we just walked through the Gospel of John. You guys remember how it starts? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt, it's the word tabernacled. He set up a tent, but now it's not just in the middle of a camp made with human hands, now Jesus is walking around and he's speaking. God in the flesh, touching people who are unclean, healing the broken, loving the unlovable. You see, God just keeps getting closer and closer. And then in John chapter 14 and 16, right before he leaves, he says, it's better that I go. It's better that I go because if I leave, I will send to you another advocate, another comforter. And he will, you know him because he's with you, but he will be in you. Right? you see, are we tracking? God just keeps getting closer and closer. And now that's what we're seeing right here in the beginning of this passage in Acts chapter 2. For the first time since the dawn of time, there's no divide between God and man anymore. That's the first great reversal. God has taken up residence in us. Think about that. Sin separates, but the Spirit reunites us with God. Do you you understand what you have today if you're a believer? If you're a Christian here today, you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, tabernacling within you. If if Moses could see us right now, what would he say? Because remember that that time at, at the mountain where the fire comes down, and Moses, the people are like, whoa, Moses, you go up for us. We're not touching that mountain, right? So Moses goes up. He's their man on the mountain. And remember, he, he asked God, he said, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, nobody can experience my glory and live. You can't experience the fire of my glory. It would consume you. So he hides Moses behind the cleft of the rock and covers it up as he passes by. And Moses just catches a glimpse of his glory. If Moses was sitting in here reading this verse right now, I think he'd stand up and run down to the front and say, guys, do you realize who you are? The thing I couldn't experience, the thing the priests couldn't experience, the things the people of God were standing at the foot of the mountain trembling because of God himself, his glory, his holy presence, his fire is dwelling within you. The power of God dwelling inside you to change you, to to reroute your life, to make you holy, the Holy Spirit in you, making you holy, restructuring the internal architecture of your heart and your life from within, transforming you from within. That's the first big reversal. Question, Are, are are you living like that's true? Do you walk in a relationship with the God who is there? Not somewhere out there, like right here, in here. The God who is here. Are you living in holy consciousness of it? Is it melting your heart, the the glory of what it is? What would you do differently in your life? How would your life look differently if you really believed the Holy Spirit of God was taking up a residence in your life? Incredible gift, right? Right? Yeah, sorry, I get passionate Pentecost Sunday. Watch. Watch out. How do we steward a gift like that? I I mean, think about it. Like if you knew a multi -multi multi-billionaire was available for an appointment and he would help you out with your finances, would you would you take time to meet with him? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if I have the time in my calendar. I'm very busy. What? I'm too proud to meet with them. <laughs> Dude, seriously, right? Or, or somebody super powerful, super successful, and they could meet with you and help you figure out how to live a more productive life. Would you meet with them? Of course you would. Nobody would say no. You'd make time for it. What is it about... The, the fact that we have God, reconnection with the God of the universe, the creator of the cosmos, and he's dwelling within us, and we're like, uh, I'm not sure if that's snooze. I'm not sure I can wake up early enough. <laughs> what is that? I'm guilty, right? Something preaching to me, why do we still find ourselves living like we're separated from God? So, at New City, a couple of the things we're trying to do to help with this is like CBR, regular community Bible reading that's every day, and there's reminders you can get to your phone, and there's ways you can tag in with community, hold each other accountable, and you can encounter God in the Scriptures. It's not just reading. It's encountering. It's a relationship with God. Seeing him high and lifted up in the Scriptures and causing worship in your heart. That's what CBR is about. And, and we gather together on the first day of every, every week, for gathering, for corporate worship, to see God high and lifted up. And we sing about him in the songs and we bring the gospel out and we try to glorify God in all these things. Like those are just a couple of the things we're trying to do, personal worship and public worship, right? And Acts chapter 2, where are they? They're gathered together in the upper room on the first day of the week waiting for the promise of the Spirit. So we gather around the gospel to be empowered by the Spirit. Now here's the question, why? For what do we gather? Let's look at the next passage. Acts chapter 2, 5 through 16. Bear with me as I pronounce these words. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished and said, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Here we go. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues, <laughs> be here all week, hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, what does this mean? And others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. (laughs) They are drunk. And Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to preach this masterpiece that he didn't even study for. (sighs) Every time I read that, I'm like, you can do better, Vince. You can do better. <laughs> One of these Sundays, I'm not even going to study. I'm just going to walk up here. <laughs> this is that. No. I mean, it's, it's total, it's like, a, it's like a Keller sermon. Like, he's like, Jesus is the true and better King David, right? It's, it's so good. It's a great sermon. Um, what happens here on Pentecost Sunday? God empowers his people for mission. Think about it. Why are they gathered in the upper room? They're gathered to be empowered. for the great commission. They aren't just gathering to gather, right? They aren't just like waiting for power so that they can be powerful, right? The gathering is for the going. The power is for the purpose of God. The manifestations are are, are for the mission of God. God is at work through his people. He's empowering them to send them out on mission and the spirit hits and what happens? They spill out all over the streets, and they began to demonstrate and declare the gospel, and they speak the gospel into every language. What's the significance of this, this every language piece? Well, think back to the story. And you guys, do you guys remember the original mission that God gave man we just talked about, Adam and Eve? Yeah, go into the world, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, right? How'd they do it? that? Yeah, they buffed it big time, and so I mean, just within one generation, they went from eating an apple or pomegranate, depending on your tradition, to their son killing their other son. It's kind of the opposite of multiplying, right? And and it just gets worse from there. You fast forward through the story, it's death upon death, wickedness 24-7. And God said, I repent that I even made man, it says. Like, what was I thinking? My God. Me. (laughs) Yeah. So he sends a flood. Eight souls are saved by water. Noah and his family walk off the boat and God gives him a covenant and God gives him a mission. Look at this. Uh, Genesis 9. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed for in the image of God, God has made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply the earth and increase it. Now I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. So, see that? Same mission. Same mission. Uh, but what happens? A couple generations. When you fast forward just a couple, couple of generations over, look at, look at what happens. They go from a tree to a tower. Genesis chapter 11. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They literally are going against God's mission. He says, Go fill the earth. They say, Nah, we want to stay here, build a tower. So instead of being about God's mission, they're all about their own. Instead of being about God's glory, they're all about their own. Instead of going out and filling the world, what do they do? Let's build a tower. Let's build a city. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's hang out and do what we want to do. The truth is, sin pollutes our purpose, sin messes up our mission. Mankind messed up their mission, but the good news is God is not content with his family just wasting their lives. So what does God do? You guys remember this story? Makes them all speak different languages. Genius, right? And that had to be quite a scene. You know, you're building a tower, and you go to say, pass me a hammer, and you say, I, nope, I'm not even... <laughs> My brain went five different places. Nope, not going to make a language, because I might accidentally cuss somebody out who's watching the new live stream on Facebook in in their language, and I, I wouldn't even know their language, so that would be horrible. So God confounds their languages, confuses their languages, because they're all about their own mission, so God confuses their languages, and they can't communicate. But what do we see here at Pentecost? Isn't that interesting? Reverse of the curse. They, they were waiting. They're not gathered around their own mission. They're gathered around God's mission. The Holy Spirit hits and gives them supernatural ability, wandering out into the streets, to all of those names I could barely pronounce. And they show up, and they're speaking their languages. They never learned them. They were unlearned, uneducated Galileans. But they're speaking the word of God because the Holy Spirit restores what sin had broken. Sin had broken their mission. Sin had divided them from one another and from their mission, and now the Holy Spirit is here restoring it. We track it? Let me ask you guys a quick question. What are some of the messed up missions that we end up living for, the lesser missions besides God's mission? Let's dialogue about that real quick. Success. Ooh, our own reputation. Mm, Make that my mission in life. Curate that social media. Yeah. Yeah, what else? Knowledge. Ooh, that can be a big one. Hmm. Fix all my problems. Live the perfect life. Kush. Yeah. Money. Chasing money. Man, you guys are good at this. Yeah. I think the reason we're good at this is because, and we can keep going, Right? The reason we're good at this is because we all find ourselves living for our lesser missions at times in fact multiple times sometimes multiple times a day like repent of that one and then you find yourself living for that one you're like where'd that pop up right we all need this reminder today because we all get caught up living for our own missions that don't lead to life they lead to confusion and some of you need the spirit of god to reroute your life's purpose today God may have bigger dreams for your life than you do. Are you open to that? Are you stuck in a rut living for some lesser mission when God might have something so much greater for you? Are you listening you creating space and saying, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What do you want to do with my life? If you haven't been, I hope you do today. At New City, one of the ways that we aim to do this is through our gospel communities on mission. They're the missional engine of our church, right? We gather together on Sundays, but the gathering's not for just gathering's sake. The gathering's for the going, to empower us for the mission of God. I want to encourage you guys, if you're, if you're newer here and you haven't joined a gospel community on mission yet, get in, man. The water's warm. <laughs> that one fell flatter than I thought it would. <laughs> Everybody say, the gathering's for the going. Yeah. What's crazy about this, right, is, is, is the results of it. People hear the gospel in their own language and by the Spirit's power, and people respond. Guess how many respond? Look at, look at verse 41. 40, um, Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about how many? 3,000 were added to the number that day. Now, why is that a significant number, 3,000? I want you think about that. Okay, we're going to track back to the last reversal, right? Because here's one of the things that a lot of us don't realize is that this is not the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost happened a long time ago at the foot of a mountain, right? You guys remember the story? Israel had been captive in Egypt, and God had set them free by a mighty hand. He had sent plagues. The last plague, you guys remember the last plague? Egypt's firstborn, and God said, like Sophia was say, talking about in the song today, um, kill the, the spotless lamb, spread the, spread the blood on the doorpost, the angel of death will pass over. And the cry went out so great in Egypt, Pharaoh finally said, okay, you know what, get out of here. Go, please get out of here. And they left. And 50 days after Passover is Pentecost. They're at the foot of a mountain. And guess what happens in the first Pentecost? There's the covenant people of God at the base of the mountain, and there's fire, and there's wind. And there's there's the sound of thunder and voices. The Hebrew word is kolot, which means voices or languages or tongues, right? Going on up in the mountain, and the people are terrified. And they tell Moses, again, Moses, you go up. So Moses goes up to the mountain, and they say, if you go up, because that's kind of freaky, we'll just do whatever God says, you know? it's trembling the mountain up there. So Moses goes up, and he gets the mission and the covenant. Look at Exodus 19. Now, if you obey me, God says, fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Some of you guys need to hear that spoken over your life today. You're God's treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Like not a kingdom with priests, a kingdom of priests for the other kingdoms. You see that mission? You're going to be a light to the Gentiles. He says, through other places. Think about that. God gives them a mission as a nation of priests, and God gives them a covenant. You see this? God is always pulling us back into relationship by grace. He gives us a new grace. He gives us a new mission beyond ourselves. He's giving us a covenant community to gather around him on mission. And what happens? It's all gravy from there, right? Moses comes down from the mountain, Ten Commandments under his arm, and what's he see? What are they doing? They, just, they literally just said, we will do whatever God says. And now they are worshiping a golden calf. They look more like the Egyptians than the Israelites. They don't look like covenant people. They don't look like a treasured possession. They look like all the other nations. Drunk in orgy down at the bottom of the mountain. And Moses loses it. Who is on the Lord's side? right? They divide the camp and 3,000 people die that day. First Pentecost, fire, wind, voices, 3,000 people die. Second Pentecost, fire, wind, speaking in other tongues, and 3,000 people come to new life. We track in? You see the reversal God's doing here? God is creating a new humanity. And the truth is, what sin destroys, sin destroys our identity as God's covenant people because we find ourselves worshiping all these other things. But the Holy Spirit restores our identity. And that's why Peter would later say in 1 Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the very people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God is at work creating a new humanity, reuniting us with himself and one another as a covenant community and sending us out on mission to fill the world with people of his name, to fill the world with his glory. Are we tracking? That's what's happening at Pentecost. And look at what happens as a result. Let's finish out the chapter, Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And wonders, many wonders, and signs were being done by the apostles. How? Holy Spirit, power at work in them, right? And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, that's the gathering, right? and breaking bread in their homes, scattering. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What happened at Pentecost is God established a new humanity, three reversals, reversal at the tree of the broken relationship with him, reversal at the tower with the broken mission, and reversal at the foot of the mountain with a broken covenant community. We track in. In these three new movements, we get a new grace, a new mission, and we become a new people. That's the church, God's covenant people gathered around his gospel, empowered by his spirit and moving out on mission. That's who you are. That's That's who we are today. Not a building, not a Sunday service, not a missions project, not just a bunch of scattered people who happen to believe the same thing and show up at the same time to, to shout about it and sing about it. All right? We are the new humanity. We're God's very own family on mission in this world. When we couldn't get to him, he came down to us. He loved us. He purchased us back from slavery. He filled us with his spirit. He gave us a new identity. He bounced himself, <laughs> bound himself to us with a new covenant. There's a rare verse also where it talks about God bouncing himself. <laughs> wow. Somebody come take this. Man. Bound himself to us with the new covenant. Think about that. God bound himself to us and hand selected us for the filling of his spirit. And maybe you're saying, Well, great, what's all that mean for me personally? That's a bunch of great knowledge. Here's what it means. It means it means you belong. It means you have a greater purpose than maybe you even realize. That God has purpose for you. That God has filled you with gifts and meaning and value greater than you can believe. Maybe today you've been living for a purpose. Maybe you've been living for goals and priorities and dreams that that are just less than what God has for you. Are you listening? Maybe you've been caught up in, in, in some other stuff, but God... His Spirit wants to catch you up into something greater than you can imagine. Nothing less than the rescue and renewal and restoration of all things and new city. That's why we do what we, you know, what we what we do. We say our our mission statement that we are a Spirit led family of gospel communities on mission to make disciples of Jesus for God's glory. That's why we're trying to do that. That's why we try to make, even though we come together on the first day of the week and we celebrate the resurrection and we worship God, we say that's not the church. That's part of what the church does. The people are the church, and that's why we meet together in homes. And we throw the, try, try to throw the best parties. We find every excuse to throw a party. Holidays, birthdays, graduations. Why? Because we have the best reason to party Of anybody, right? So we should probably throw the best parties. Amen? That's why we serve. That's why we meet the needs around us. That's why we pour out the love and grace because love and grace has been poured into us. That's why we gather on Sunday and that's why we gather in our homes. But all this, all this, if you're not careful, can sound like a bunch of God gave us his spirit now there's a bunch of stuff we have to do. And all this life as a gospel family on mission is empty and void without the power of the Spirit. You know, without the power of the Spirit, we'll end up like Adam and Eve around that tree, believing lies, choosing our own way, ignoring God, and and living a broken relationship with Him. Without the power of Spirit at work in us, we'll end up like the people at the Tower of Babel with a broken mission, living for all our our lesser missions, trying to make a name for ourselves, trying to be righteous by our own works. Without the power of the Spirit at work in us, we're going to end up like the people at the bottom of the mountain who, in the very presence of God, dancing around idols, losing our identity as his special possession. Forgetting about this, not losing, but forgetting about this gospel identity as as God's people, his kingdom of priests. The people at Pentecost lived in new and exciting ways and maybe as you look around the American church today, you say, man, how's all this possible? How's that possible in my life? I've been filled with the Spirit for a long time. I haven't seen any of this stuff. Let me tell you how it's possible. And the answer in closing is, is in the two Pentecosts. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, which is all about the two Pentecosts, at the very end it says this, you've not come to a mountain that can't be touched, but you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. What's the writer of Hebrews saying here? He's saying that, think about the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost, you've got the Israelites gathered around the mountain, and they got a a bit of the message, but they didn't get a lot of it. And they got a bit of the presence of God, but they didn't have much of it. And do you know how they got what they got? They said, Moses, we want you to go up. We want you to be our man on the mountain and face the fire for us. That's why they got what they got, because Moses went up on the mountain, and he faced the fire for them, and they got what they got. But a greater than Moses is here. Amen? Yeah, we have a man on the mountain too. Jesus lived a perfect life. Every day in the flesh, he walked with his father. Perfect, unbroken communion until the cross, when he was separated from his father so that we could be reconciled to the father. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life mission in this world every day in his flesh so that that we could have a better mission than some of the lesser ones we've lived for Jesus Christ lived a perfect community he pulled people around him he loved them perfectly even though they betrayed him even though they denied him he loved them so Jesus was tried in a tower led up a mountain crucified on a tree so that the curse of sin could be reversed so that we could live renewed lives made alive by the spirit Jesus was our man on the mountain who faced the fires of judgment. He was baptized by fire on the cross. Hell was poured out on him for us. Jesus Christ faced the fires for us. He was consumed by them so that we could be filled with the holy, glorious fire of God without fear. So we could be given a new identity as God's covenant community and we could be called to a renewed mission that gives life to us by the Spirit's power. So today, if you can believe the gospel by the Spirit's help, you'll realize where Jesus went and what he did for you. And maybe like the onlookers on the streets there in the book of Acts, maybe today you won't hear a bunch of stuff that you have to do. What did they hear in their own languages, in their own tongues? They heard the wonders of God. They got to hear the good news of what God had done, not the bad news of all the stuff they've got to do. The good news today is that you can be filled with that spirit. You can be reminded of the good news of the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done for you. And then out of that, out of the rest that the gospel gives, you can enter into a gospel community on mission. And, and I don't just mean that in the tagline of the name of the groups that we have. I mean that in the name of what the church is called to be. A gospel-centered family, a covenant community on his mission in the world. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, um, I pray you'd give us your fire. Fill us with your spirit today. We need the Holy Spirit. I pray you'd help us to understand the Pentecostal power. We thank you that we have this tremendous promise. Thank you that you've given it to us without a bunch of strings attached, that you purchased it for us. I pray you'd forgive us for not fainting as we read it. Forgive us for not being amazed by it. I'm repenting today for the thousand and one ways I try to do everything on my own. I find myself living by my own power for my own mission, for my own glory. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. (laughs) Today, Father, we need the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would help us to experience these very, very same manifestations of your Spirit in our lives. Let your wind blow through the dusty caverns of our souls today. Let your fire purify us, God. Make us holy. Give us the words to say to people around us, Lord. Help us to experience you personally. Help us to understand the gospel so we have to cry out how, how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make this wretch, me, us, his treasure. What joy we have. Lord, make it possible for us to do that and live these lives in accordance with that. We pray all this in Jesus' name.